This podcast is from heptagonclub.co.uk and paulcarenza.com. The Heptagon Club. Heptagon Club. Heptagon Club with Paul Carenza. Seven guests, seven corners. On this week's show, I saw and talked to Alexi Sale there, but he said, I'm in my pajamas, I just, oh, I just popped out. Well, that would be a lovely revolution. Of course, yes. wouldn't it be lovely? Right, yeah, Tim Brooke Taylor, very charming. And your host, Mr. Paul Carenza. Hello, podcast listeners. Uh, welcome to episode 13. This is Paul Carenza. Episode 13, unlucky for nobody, because right now, the Heptagon Club around me has relocated to Edinburgh because it's festival time. That's right. I am in Edinburgh, but oddly only for one day. I leave uh, today, which is uh, the day the Fringe starts. So that's weird. I've seen no shows. I am not doing a show. Uh, This August, my festivals are the Camden Fringe on August 26th, 27th, Greenbelt, August 26th, Cornwall Comedy Festival, August 25th. Come and see me at any of those, Cornwall, Kettering or Camden. Um, But no Edinburgh show for me this year. So typically I've got greater press coverage than I have when I do a show here, uh, including some BBC One primetime profile, because the reason I'm in Edinburgh for one day is I'm doing an interview for Songs of Praise, of all things, uh, on the Edinburgh Fringe. They're doing a little special all about the Edinburgh Fringe, uh, and you can see that on Sunday the 20th of August. So it's fun to be here, uh, even though though very briefly. So uh, why not? Indeed, let's do an Edinburgh special. We have enough guests, uh, seven, as is our want, uh, to do something quite Edinburgh-y. Uh, so we've got a bit of Tony Law, the uh, Edinburgh Perrier award-winning, I think, uh, whatever it's called nowadays, a comedian, Masai Graham, who won the best joke of the Fringe Award at last year's Fringe. We've got actors, we've got a playwright who's doing the play A Monk's Tale at the Fringe this year, but headlining, first of all... The- OK, well, I get a bit claustrophobic in pods. I mean, this is the impression. The granddaddy of Edinburgh's free Fringe. This is the guy that set up the model, and he has been gigging for years. He is Peter Buckley Hill. Thank you for joining us. Um, do you like to be thought of as, you know, I, I was going to say a bona fide, a gold star comedy legend, uh, Jordan, but do you like, do you yes, want the legend state? Yes, I would like to be thought of as a bona fide, well, gold star well, that's, comedy legend, that's good because I do have an ego and that would certainly be part of it. Excellent, well, em- embrace that status, absolutely, and it's, and it's partly, <laughs> partly through um, your performance over the years performing as a stand-up for uh, as long oh. as there's been a stand-up comedy circuit on the alternative well, sort of sort sense, of, I imagine. Yes, I was, I was around in 1980 where the, uh, yeah, the, the alternative cabaret, as it was yes. then called, scene right. started um, at, the, uh, at the Earth Exchange in Archway. I mean, the comedy still started around then as, uh, as well. Yes. Uh, and that was, um, you know, a slightly different concept. Yeah. But, um, yes, I was, I was around then. So um, what sort of so the Archway uh, Club, for example? Then what sort of acts were on there? Then was it was it stand up? Was it music comedy? It was stand up. It was music. It was poetry. Quite a lot of poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. Uh, um, it was pretty much anything. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, and um, the whole thing was was connected with a cult, um, yes. which was strange. Uh, the uh, uh, if you remember Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, 
Um, wow, right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm so sure you do. You used to deliver absolutely. your milk. He did, no. that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, the so, days when people delivered milk, which they yes. don't anymore. So a proper, uh, a proper cult, because I thought you meant like oh, yeah, cult, cult, cult yes. comedy, but not cult comedy as in, as well, in Fist yeah, of Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that as well. Yeah. Now famous people um, played there. Um, um, you know, Steve Frost and um, right. you know, yes. my memory says, says that I saw and talked to Alexis Sale there, but he says no, no, he never played it. Right, so, okay, yeah. yes. The Edinburgh shows where you've compared, obviously, Peter Buckley Hill and some comedians over the years, which I hadn't realised then, that that is, because uh, I thought the free, the free Fringe, as I knew it, was something of, you know, relatively more recent years. Um, but actually, that the, that began with that in the uh, that, yeah, the that 90s, was the show that started, started it, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and, and that began in uh, in nineteen ninety six. Right. So tell us about that. And the free free thing. You look at the, the Edinburgh Festival, and even before it's the size it now is, even in the late nineties, that it must have been growing at a pace that you look at it. And uh, it, it, it was well, yeah, it was pretty huge. Nothing like as huge as it is now, mm. but still um, pretty huge. Um, I really can't quote any figures, but let's say it was something like 30,000 performances. And I had um, done shows in the previous two years uh, following the conventional model, as you know, one right. does, obviously, yes. when one doesn't know. So you'd hire a venue? You'd and hire a venue, sell money. tickets yeah. um, for uh, something like the going rate. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, and... Um, Generally, get very low audiences because, yeah, yeah, yeah um, for this almost the same price, mm. they could see someone they've heard of, right? Exactly. Uh, yes. So, uh, um, yes. I thought I, I, I could carry on going for another 20 years mm. doing mm. the same thing, yes. Uh, and uh, if I could afford the loss, and of course, I couldn't yes. Yes. Uh, um, afford the loss, I don't know how anybody can, yes, of yes. course. Yes. Uh, um, but I thought it through. What's going to change things? What's going to make it easier? Uh, And the obvious answer, uh, to me the obvious answer anyway, would be not to charge admission, um, but to make sure the show was as good, Mm. that it was variable, so people could come back again. um, And would I rather have half a dozen people sitting in the corners yeah. of what was then £5 a ticket, income £30 minus yeah. um, the cost of it all. Uh, the expenses, the cost yeah. of it all, minus any rake-off that the, uh, uh, that the venue was taking from the tickets. Could I instead have 60 people in who would contribute as little as 50p each? I would have the same of money. Course, of course, yes, indeed. If yeah. they contributed a pound, yeah. I would be in profit. And in so this is after to, the sh- yeah exactly uh, um, yes of yeah. course and, uh, and after the show then this he's putting the bucket round and all that sort of uh, thing. yes that's right um, well it was yeah. a hat in those days hat, and yeah. then someone stole the hat <laughs> right <laughs> exactly. the bucket, yeah. yeah well I I found you do the bucket thing and realizing oh, oh I did a bit less today than yesterday 
and I looked at it and it wasn't, it wasn't because the, the sun was out or whatever it was actually the fact that I go, oh yeah I didn't do as good a show today and I just found I could chart through it and go oh yeah I need to try and I was making myself try harder each show knowing that I had to you know work harder to get the money that they hadn't yet paid whereas in a ticketed show in advance yeah you, you, people I think are a bit more relaxed about it as a performer so in a way it makes you work harder I think that's a very interesting point. I mean, I've always looked at it from the point of view of the body language. Right, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, in the sense that people have paid, um, well, I quoted £5 earlier, because that was the yeah. mid-90s, and right. that was about the normal yes. admission price. Of course, yeah. now it's nearer 15 than 5 mm. But let's, let's say you've paid £10 for the yeah. show. Yeah. You are sitting there, and you are now, this is a podcast, so you're really going to see this with your arms. Of course. Holy. We can imagine and your whole body language yes. is saying, "Give me ten pounds worth of value yes. for this investment yes. that I have made." Whereas the free show sound effects uncrosses arms, yes. <laughs> yes. makes open hand gesture. Yep. Yep. Um, the yes. uh, the audience is open mm. to um, uh, what you give them. I did a gig in Morecambe recently. I had my token picture, of course, with Eric Morecambe's statue on the beach. Stayed with a lovely couple uh, who put me up for the night who told me all about the Edinburgh Harp Festival. Yes, they have a festival for everything, don't they, in Edinburgh? Even the harps. It really is a festival of festivals. Uh, so apparently this harp festival is lovely. Apparently harpists are some of the loveliest people in the world. A very generous community. I suppose there's lots of, um, you know, angelic kind of harping i suppose is what they do uh, and apparently they're very lovely and have a very fine festival also in edinburgh because where else would you so this is our edinburgh uh, festival special of the heptagon club our rule if you've not heard us here before we have seven guests per week we've already had peter buckley hill he will be back but intermingling with our other guests as well so indeed back to the comedy side of the fringe um we have got uh, right now the punsmith behind the very best joke of the fringe last year apparently it has been decided there is an award therefore it is objectively the funniest joke on the fringe so this guy is masai graham his joke incidentally should you wish to know was simply this <laughs> here we are my dad suggested i register for a donor card he's a man after my own heart well he says it better masai graham or to give you your full name, Matto Martin Marcus Sherlock Gray. Yeah, that's the tip of my tongue. That was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. You are the one-liner king. Um, it is well, literally, literally, you are. You won the award last year, Edinburgh, didn't you? Best joke of the fringe. Oh yeah, I won best joke of the fringe, yeah, yeah. Uh, 2016, and then February, six months before that, I won UK Pun Champion. So yeah, yeah it was a great year last year. So yeah, yeah. I just enjoy writing jokes. But and it's nice because you veer between the as you as you note yourself on stage, like clean, naughty, which one we're going exactly. Yeah. So like I said, my growing up, my hero was Tim Vine, and uh, yeah. he was the reason I got into it. And he's so prolific of just doing clean jokes. But then I also like comics like Gary Dodoni and Anthony Jezelnik and Stuart Francis who also do more edgy jokes yeah. but yeah it's just great writing jokes and you'll transfer out the crowd to see what they prefer yeah. and it'll be nice to get developed where I can have 20 minutes of clean or naughty solid yeah. material that I'm happy with and then whatever audience I'm faced with yeah you can choose I can choose okay or book B isn't it was like oh, was it um, I forget who was it Max, was it Max Miller who had the who gave oh, us gosh, the word blue? Yes, yes. Because like, yes. he had the blue book or the red book. Yeah. People could choose. They chose blue book, it was the naughty ones. And that's why we got blue comedy today. That's what there you go. From. There you go. Bit of oh, history. He was great. He'd do that little hand whisper yeah. gesture to say, oh, bit of blue. Bit of cheeky yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. stuff. No, no. We're still using that, aren't we? Yeah. One of our best ever sitcoms is not going out. So that 
intertwined with the time when I first landed, 2010, when I first started doing stand-up, Tim Vine fan, and then when I watched that, because I saw a sitcom writing enthusiast, it was like, man, someone's managed to squeeze one line is into a sitcom, and it, it works. Well, Lee's thing with that was always, you know, people used to say, apparently, at the time, the industry standard was like three laughs per page. Which yeah, 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 yeah. You know? And um, and it's like, why have three? That's like one every 20 seconds. That's it's 19 seconds and nothing, and then a laugh. So let's have eight, you know. Let's, yeah. uh, and we've had these meetings where we go, like, this mic, we need to make this line funny. You go, Lee, that's the setup. You yeah. need that to be funny. No, no, no. No, no, no. We need that to be funny. It's as well, like so, that you know. joke of. Uh, I was uh, I was thought my land would live to 100 we close she was 96 oh um, yeah that's yeah. one of my favourite that's right, ever right. That's like, right. Oh, that's... Yeah. The Heptagon oh. Club Seven Guests Seven Corners The Heptagon Club with Paul Carenza Someone on telly I forget who it is and it's just as well I have forgotten is graciously doing a fringe show but charging £19.50 a ticket. Oh, yes, indeed. Yes. Someone even more famous than that charged £35 a ticket a few years ago. Mm. Um, mm. That's, that's not a fringe, in my opinion. Yes. It, this is the thing. It's the difference between the festival and, yes. you know, we do have the International Festival, of course, which is all very, uh, you know... Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Very hoi yeah, yeah. and ballet I, I, dancers I and that sort of thing. the International absolutely. Festival. Absolutely. But then, uh, yeah, I'm there with my flat saying, of course. Wah, wah, International Festival. Yes, indeed, yeah. Come on, you art. But, but, yeah, exactly. No, but, but can, it be, right, can it be a fringe if it's uh, a sitcom star playing the castle to several thousand seats and we all notice our ticket numbers going down that night? You know, it's... Um, mm, I do uh, recall that from a few years ago and it was rather a slow one, you know, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to isolate that down to an individual. Sure, but it's, it's, I know that individual. I yeah. like that individual. Yeah, I, uh, it's more an industry trend, isn't it, rather than a, yes, exactly. It was probably yeah. not his decision at all. No, no. And no. It, you know, and you, in their shoes, you can see why. There's, there are you know thousands of comedy goers in one place. Let's turn yeah. up and do That's a show for them. You know, absolutely. So. Yes. Yeah. Look at the comedy circuit nowadays, and you know I like the days when it was feel like it was a good level to me when Time Out had all the listings and that sort of thing. Oh yeah, and no, I miss that. You know that was always nice. Because they're like, online oh, listings don't even work. I can't well, get I know. them. There's no real way now of telling exactly what clubs are out there and what comedians are out there. And all the comedians so, had an adjective, which was quite nice. I used to like that. Uh, well, um, do you remember what your adjective was? Well, it took me some time it to took, get it. It took some while to get it. Was it? I remember the the wonderful week in which uh, for one listing I was described as newish and a second <laughs> listing the same week described me as experienced. Nice, <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. Nice one, yes. That's so right newish the and experienced. <laughs> right uh, the the newish experience. Love it. I don't think I can claim newish anymore. Well, experienced is newish, um, isn't it, uh, in a way, I suppose. I'm trying to remember what my final adjective was. I think it was eccentric. Eccentric? <laughs> okay. oh, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine to go with that. That's all right. I'm right in thinking you're, that, as a day job, as well, you are still. Is I, it, I do care work. You care work. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking. I knew it was something good, and you know, yeah. this kind of this oh, yeah. rather, rather so flippant, um, uh, you know, evening work. What well, I'm 30, is accompanied by that. Isn't I'm it? nearly 37, and I yeah. started doing care work when I was 16. Yeah. So that's nearly 20 years. So it's, I always right. enjoy doing care work, it's, and I've got disabled family members as well. So right. I'll always do care work, and this is my yeah. hobby. Yeah. So as far as I get with it, I'll get with it. But. You know, I don't crave for the spotlight or to get to the top. I just enjoy writing jokes, gigging when I can, and do my job. 
there's nothing better than doing my care work in the day, knowing that I've got to get to go somewhere to do a gig later that night. And do you find as well, I know my, my wife's medical and um, her family are, and I know that, you know, you have that sense of uh, people in the medical sort of trays maybe have that slightly, dare I say, gallows humour. Yes, are, yeah. Because some you of your do. jokes go to places that I haven't heard many comedians go. Yeah, they're quite dark, but it's always based around either a pun, one line, yeah. a wordplay, or pull back and reveal. So I don't sit down and think, right, let me write something evil. Yeah. It's, uh, something will catch my brain, and then a joke will format, and it will overfall into the clean or naughty category. Yeah, yeah it is. Half nine, so in 12 hours I'll be back at my care job. Good on you, man. Yeah, Good on you. Crazy Good on you. Man. Day's yeah. caring and nights. Yeah, well, it's just a happy balance, man. Caving in the day, making people laugh, hopefully. In yeah, the yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the squeezed middle, as always, mm. because yeah. I mean, the, the, the circuit is drying up a bit at the top. Yes. Obviously, with much less jongleurs' work than they used sure. to be. Yeah. Um, and therefore, acts who were playing that sort of circuit are now playing much more frequently smaller clubs for less yes. money. It, it trickles down, doesn't it? It, it trickles yeah. down, indeed, yeah. which cuts off the opportunities mm. for um, relatively inexperienced yes. um, acts. So, I mean, there always was a huge wastage rate, um, but now I, I, I think the wastage rate is, uh, um, is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, the clear progression path that they used to be when I started open spot to unpaid 10 to paid 10 to paid 20 Uh, um, it was a clear pathway so we've had Masai Graham, Peter Buckley Hill, bits of them maybe later as we go along. Other people in Edinburgh, other friends of the show. Eric McElroy, he's been on the show before. He's up there the whole month doing a show. Uh, Matt Green is up there doing a show. Martin Huburn, uh, I hope I pronounced your name vaguely correctly. I mean, Martin, very difficult name to say. He's doing a show 12th to the 27th, 3.45pm. You can catch that. Uh, Martin's show is all about discrimination and banter. I don't know if it's about banter. It probably contains banter about discrimination Uh, but that's on at the laughing horse at 48 below but meanwhile another guest who has been on the podcast a couple of times actually james carey Uh, he is a writer of tv sitcoms like miranda and bluestone 42 and delightfully now he's brought us a monk's tale for the stage catch it at the edinburgh festival this summer uh, or on tour later in the autumn oh while we're plugging of course don't forget i'm at the camden fringe this august uh, and with navelous gazing that's my current solo show i'm touring around also it's at the museum of comedy september 23rd and then it's at the liverpool and nottingham festivals for that show i'm generally gigging around as well also if you've got a venue you can book me i am available i do have my solo show of two halves that tours around churches i do at least uh, normally about one show a week uh, doing those shows around churches so that's always nice the comedy circuit as well at large always happy to uh, do bits and pieces there so if you are listening and have um, an inroad into either of those um, i am very bookable meanwhile anyway enough plugging let's uh, have james carey and also following that we'll also hear a little bit from some of his cast so sitcom clearly mm. is is something you've been do you yes. really always working towards it because when you are you doing did you do sketch shows and things? i used to do sketches at university particularly in your mm. when you're in your teens and early 20s you have tons of ideas but you don't really understand people very well mm. so that's why it's sort of that's why young people when they ask me advice say young people i'm 41 right. so i'm not young but <laughs> i'm not old yeah. but when but when people in their 20s do yeah. say i want to write a sitcom what should i do my advice slightly unhelpfully is usually be older right <laughs> um because i think to write a sitcom well you have to have multiple perspectives on things you have to be able to write characters 
that are speaking their truth from all these different angles. And you have to have probably more empathy than your average, usually chronically overeducated mm. early 20 something male. Mm. Um, you know, there are obviously there are women writing sitcoms, but the people who ask me are normally are normally men. Um, but um, there may be other reasons for that. I don't know. Let's, let's not go into <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I like writing sitcom, um, and the reason that I only worked this out recently, actually, it was only in the last few months. So it's great that you're here. Good, for I'm happy to have unlocked this. Yeah, is the reason that uh, I should credit you with it. I wondered why I'm actually a writer, and I think it's I'm a writer because I actually I love comedy. Right. So some writers are writers because they love writing. Mm. I'm a writer because I love comedy. And if it's not funny, I don't. I'm not really. I don't really see the point. So, do you think you'll? Can you ever see yourself writing a drama series? Well, because um, you for, do get the, some comedy for, writers for go same, into that, aren't they? The, if anyone from BBC wanted to write <laughs> yeah, me, course, yeah, yeah. I would. I would very much be interested in Let's, writing <laughs> yes. a drama series. Yes, I think it would be comedy drama. Yeah. But the reason, as I say, the reason I got into writing comedy in my teens is because I love comedy and I wanted to know how it worked. Mm. And if you want to know how it works and you're not particularly a performer, um, going back to how we started, mm. is you're sort of, you know, you're, you're lifting up the bonnet, you're putting your head in there and just sort of working out how all these bits fit yeah. together, what are they and how do I do it for myself you know, or for mm. other people. So that's kind of what got me into it. And so that's why I like writing comedy. Because to me, when an audience laughs, because I always much prefer studio comedy to non audience comedy which is a shame that my tv sitcom was a non-audience show but you can't really detonate bombs in the yes, studio they, would have been they don't like that yes they don't like that. <laughs> um but that's why i really enjoyed um all the radio stuff that i've done is because i usually sit in the audience they don't know i'm the writer and i can just hear mm. people laughing and i'm thinking if they laugh at a joke that i liked i think oh they like that one tick i was right about that mm. oh they like that one. Oh, they didn't like that one i wonder why that was oh they like that one. oh they really like that joke i don't quite know <laughs> yeah so for me it's problem solving yeah that's that's, um, that's how unempathetic it is. i am yeah, it is. really it is, isn't it, isn't it? Well, see, am i right well okay that, that, <laughs> that then springs into various questions from that so one is do you find as i do that um, there is a difficult. You're writing a sitcom script, or in like it stand up, or whatever mm. it might be, any sort of comedy, and you think that's funny, but do you never quite know until the audience get hold of it? And does yes. that surprise you sometimes? Yeah, no, the audiences are frequently um, full of surprises. So I think when you're starting out, you might have you, you know you're writing all these jokes in a sketch or a sitcom script, and maybe thirty percent of them work really well. 10% go fine and the rest don't really work. As you get more experience, you start to get closer to 50, 60, 65%. Um, and thereafter, you're, you're sort of into legend territory. Yes. So I think, you know, you, you don't really expect everything to get a laugh mm. and you just hope that the bits that do get, that, that don't get laughs, you mm. are able to cut. It's annoying if, if you can't cut a bit yeah. because it's crucial for the plot or something. I think when you're starting out writing, you do think, you do cling on to your jokes quite hard. Yes. Um, and that's why stand-up, that's why writers tend to not make particularly good stand-ups because mm. they, writers sort of rewrite jokes quite quickly, whereas stand-ups who tend to try to, okay, I didn't, that didn't work, how do I make it work? Yes. 
Yes. And someone who is a writer in their bones would just say, I'll just write a new joke. Yes. Well, yes, we will hear from a stand-up in a moment. Uh, Tony Law will be gracing us with his presence. Uh, but that was James. And uh, yes, yeah, so the cast of his play, Amongst Tale, uh, as Anna Nicholson, Anna Newcomb and Cameron Potts. They are over in this corner of our seven-sided pod venue. And here are their voices. How's the uh, how's the show going? Were you doing a show oh, about the Reformation? What have you learned about the Reformation? Doing well, the show? What, what, what we knowledge? Can it was you a bit of a blank you? slate before. I do like to try and research the topic of the show before the show starts. I'm still learning. I'm still still. Mm. So it's your job to bring this to life. Every to bring day this. That's right. yeah, yeah. yeah. We're doing a three-person sketch show Excellent. about Martin Luther and uh, his impact upon the Roman Catholic Church, which then split into various factions. Brilliant. So it's the, it's the door and the, and it's the nailing Yes, the 95 things. Theses yeah. to the Door. Yep. The show is called A Monk's Tale, Relics, Revolt and Reformation. It's mm. written by uh, James Carey. Yes. Who is, who, of, um, who is here somewhere in the Hepburn Club, appearing as a guest. Oh, oh, oh there he is. Oh, hey, Hello, James. James. Hey, James. Hi, James. He's yes. talking about your show. Don't worry. Sketches, songs. Mm. Um, I wear a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I'm the only one that wears headgear. Actually, don't know what that. Why that is? I want to disagree with you on that. Oh, I, think, I totally disagree. I think we, all oh, we, all we all wear headgear at one point. <laughs> we all wear a cowboy hat. That's mm-hmm. to be the English reformers. So yeah, we've oh, got yes. a song about the, um, the a bunch of blokes, <laughs> martyrs you might call them right. nowadays, who <laughs> who translated the Bible into English when it was illegal, and we oh. made it into a sort of Western. Nice. Like the outlaws. Ah, uh, um, yeah, okay. Because they were being yeah. roguish and outlawish. Being so roguish with yeah. their Bible yes. translation skills. Yes. So um, we also have some original songs. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Mm-hmm. By James Sherwood. Oh, yes. Um, another fine yeah. composer of comedy song. Yes, he's yet to guest on this pod, but we will get him at some point. Well, get make sure he brings his yeah. piano. He's good, um, yes. James Sherwood at the piano. Indeed. Yeah. Um, uh, we've got a rap in there, because everyone loves a rap. Um, <laughs> it's a crowd favourite. Yeah, yeah. Um I, I've learnt what relics are. I didn't even know what a relic was. We, there's a whole song about relics. Uh, so relics, so they're so bit, bits of old people. Bits of dead people yeah. that seem significant. Bits of saints. But, yeah, bits yeah. of saints, yeah. 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 If you touch them, it takes your time off purgatory. If, if all of the relics added up, you know, you can't have, like, five kidneys of John the Baptist or... That's it, you know, exactly. 20, 29 toenails. Of, oh, well, you could have a lot of toenails, actually, things. but toes you couldn't have. You yeah. hit the nail on yes. the head... That's exactly Hit the nail on the door. That is the point of the song. Ah, very good. So I want a second guess the song here. Yeah. Wow. Yes, yes. But it's fun, and it's fun for people that know a lot about the Reformation, and also people that know nothing about Excellent. it. Excellent. Yeah. So, yeah, we've had good reviews from historians and children. <laughs> That's um, the, t- the two target so, audiences you need. Yeah. You get those two, you're set. Yeah. You're set. Oh, well, happy touring. Excellent news. We'll this is good. Fully sick of each other. I'm sure. I'm which sure. is which is hilarious because two of us went to school together. Yeah. And oh. Which two? Guess oh. listener. And or indeed, we'll just tell you. Yes. It's, a, it's, <laughs> it's the bloke and the blonde. Oh, uh, okay. Which you, ca- you can't blonde. tell who the blonde is from. No, oh. but you can tell who the bloke is. You can definitely <clears> tell. You can probably tell who the blonde is to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said it. <laughs> Occasionally, you get those where you just turn up and go. The audience aren't quite going. What's Sometimes you do have to blame the audience. Oh, they're not quite going for this. We had What's one of those um, on Milton Jones, right? Where we Milton Jones Formula One racing driver. Mm. Um, this was the uh, what was it? Another case of Milton Jones, I think. 
<laughs> one of the many incarnations. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And that was that was after the House of Milton Jones, right. which is also the house of the, the very world of Milton Jones. <laughs> um, but um, the producer came out, David Tyler came out, and, and sort of is, does a very nice warm up. Normally, normally gets very decent, polite laughs, and then he introduces Milton, and then you know. But um, he came out. Um, David Tyler came out, did some jokes, and audience went. Not really going to get not going for it. Not going for it. <laughs> okay. And then he introduced Milton, and Milton comes to the front, and Milton did some jokes. They don't really go for those either. Really? To which you think, Ooh. why are you here? Yeah. Why did you come to see? F- fair enough. If you're not a David Tyler fan, yeah. Well, if you're not a Milton Jones fan, <laughs> yes, that's really. Right. People are people. They don't book for David Tyler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a lovely fella. He's, he's a lovely fella, but he's, he's not the a... reason you turn up. No. No. Absolutely yeah, yeah. not. It doesn't sound too bad yes. when you hear it go out, and if you, I haven't heard it so recently to think. Knowing it's a bad audience, do you hear that? Mm. But no, um, David Tyler, the master of the edit, has made it sound gorgeous and wonderful. Well, of course. I remember I was working on a sitcom years ago when I obviously think I was one of the writing team and I'm thinking, I'm adding the jokes to this. This is great. And then I, uh, a, fr- a friend of mine from university, it turns out, was doing the sound editing on that show by pure chance. And uh, so I bumped into him a few months later. He said, oh, I'm working on this show. I said, I was working on that show. And he said, oh, yeah, I've been adding the, adding the laughs to it. I was thinking, that's what I've been doing. But, of course, no, he's been adding the actual oh, my goodness. laughs. And some of the jokes that we were doing weren't quite landing in the same way. And he may have been peppering them up a little bit. Who knows? Oh, but not for me to say. I'm, I'm always into the, We're now on to canned laughter. We are, yeah. Uh, but, um, it's a matter of time. It's, a matter, yeah. it's always a matter of time. But the... Um, it's... I always say that they don't cheat laughs, mm. which I, I suspect is not strictly true, and your evidence would suggest that it isn't. Because um, normally they actually, if anything, take away laughs. Yeah, I think I believe they often tone it down because yeah, people laugh too much. Yeah, and yeah. it's sort of it's quite annoying at home if you're listening to an audience. I find that with "I'm sorry, I haven't the clue," mm. which sounds more like a Nuremberg rally. Now. Yes, it can do. Um, yeah. It's just like now it's got a time for Mornington Crescent. Yes, absolutely yes. huge. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, this is how revolution yeah. start. Um, although it would be a lovely revolution. Of course, wouldn't yes, it be lovely? That's right, yeah, Tim Brooke Taylor. Very charming. Yes. Um, but the, um, but yeah, I, um, the, the only times that I've sort of hand on heart said um, I'm happy to cheat a laugh is when um, I used to write episodes of My Hero uh, mm. with Ardlo Hanlon as a superhero. And there are one or two jokes where you couldn't cut them because the audience it just wouldn't make any sense without them yeah. but there not being a laugh on that line sounds weird yes yeah. and so on that occasion I don't have an ethical problem with yeah. sticking a laugh in purely for the sake of mm. um, it not sounding weird the only other time I, I'm aware, mm. I've done it myself though I did a DVD of a play I wrote called The God Particle mm. and there is a line in it and something that the guy that one of the cast does that gets a laugh Every single time, without fail. Right. Except for the one time we, we shot it on DVD in front of an audience, and it yes. got nothing. With fail, on that occasion. <laughs> amazing, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. And literally, I've never seen it not get a laugh. Yeah. And um, so I cheated it and stuck one on there. That's fair enough. Because, fair enough. you know, it, we could have got away without putting one there. Yeah. But it, we... Well, I think, and I think most of the ones that I was thinking about are not so much when there's no laugh, but it's often the laugh's weird, or it's yes. like there's an odd guffaw or a little yeah. titter, and it should be a, a hearty laugh. Yeah, and it just gets in the way. And they got some sort of weird audience response, yeah. which is half laugh, half snort, half yeah. whatever it might be. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It only takes it. one person in an audience does. to make a weird sound, and it, it yes. does make quite a profound, profound difference. Right, well, it's time for a stand-up and a fringe favourite, an Edinburgh Comedy Award-winning Canadian. 
So next episode uh, of this uh, podcast will be his episode, headlining, featuring, starring uh, Mr. Tony Law. But here is just a wee dram. It's from our live show. Uh, he was in his actual pyjamas. So there you go. He, he lived nearby, so it's quite handy. Uh, it's a very special performance, um, but unfortunately it was running about an hour late uh, due to reasons outside of our control. So once again, further apologies to anyone who came to the live show, whether to perform or to watch. It was a bit of a shambles, but fun all the same. And will we do it again? Well, probably not, but who knows? Well, maybe. Well, either way, here for a little bit for this week is Tony Law. I'm in my pajamas. I just, wow. I just popped out. I was doing a little reading. Not a great reader, but the kids don't know any better. Okay, they're young. I just wanted to see you. I haven't seen you for so long. That's true. You uh, want? I've heard as well a lot about the fact that Tony Law changes his look all the time, and now it's the pajama season. Yeah, what it's all about. This is the. This is the new look. So this is my reading attire. What are you reading? What's in your uh, diary of a wimpy kid? Okay. It's not that good. Eight-year-olds dig it, but I don't like it. I prefer rolled doll. That's hard. Hard to read that good. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, I was really vocabulary. Hard to read that good. Eh? I was really expecting that. I get more Canadian when I'm on a microphone because I forget how we talk until I hear it. So now I've adopted uh, slow farmers. Uh, if anybody wanted to know what a farmer from Canada talked like, it's pretty good. Yeah. So so you can be uh, racist in a gentle voice like that <laughs> and just nod and go well like and, it, and you don't even notice it's happening until yeah. it's too late and then you feel sick that you didn't say something so on this podcast it is polite to bring a bottle isn't it to all parties really this party for the years is no exception our regular request uh, for one small bit of giving back on your part so this time my request to you, dear listener, favourite listener, you are my favourite, yes you, if you pre-order my book. Now I know it sounds a bit pluggy, but bear with, okay? Uh, you know we do have donate buttons on the heptagonclub.co.uk uh, page. We also have a Patreon button at the top, which all podcasts generally seem to do if you would like to donate regularly. No one knows if anyone has ever clicked a Patreon button, but apparently these things do happen. And you, then you get rewarded uh, by giving regularly with unique goodies and treats and experiences and things like that. Or there is the one-off donate button. But... I know full well that the thing with podcast payment requests is you, why do it? It's free already. You know, I've listened. It was great. But financial contributions, I don't think so. Tricky to mo motivate yourself. So what I would like this week, your bring a bottle moment, give something back. If you would like to donate, it's there. But to actually give and get something in return, you can pre-order my book, right? Um, well, one of them, I've got three uh, new books on the way soon, actually. Uh, but the first and main one I pitch to you right now is Hark, The Biography of Christmas. Okay, I've spent a couple of years researching writing, honing, telling the story of every part of the modern Christmas from Norse Yule and Nativity to Noddy Holder and the weird Japanese custom of eating KFC on Christmas Day. That is just one of their things they do. Um, so I'm telling in this book that via the 12 dates of Christmas, you can see what I've done there, uh, tracing the 12 historical moments when I feel that Christmas became a little bit more like Christmas. So it's all, you know, Scrooge and crackers and, and turkey and mince pies and things. It's illustrated and it's fun and it's enlightening and it will be, um, I think, brilliant. It's out end of September and I will be uh, probably trailing some more stuff on the podcast over Christmas along those lines. I'm trying to get something going for TV and radio as well. Watch this space. We will see if we can get some Christmas history on the TV and on the radio uh, if we can. Um, so yeah, festive history. It's yours to pre-order. Hark, 
The Biography of Christmas. It's on Amazon and Waterstones and all these other things. I know it's early to think of Christmas, but that's why you pre-order now and it will arrive nearer at the time. It's only $7.99. Don't be fooled by what you may see online. Uh, Amazon may quote it higher because we, we're going to do a hardback and now we're just doing a paperback. So the price will drop if they've not updated it already. Um, so, uh, so yes, I've also got a couple of kids books out next February. So you can always find those online. Noah's Car Park Ark and Moses and the Exodus Express. You know, kids Bible rhyming beautifully illustrated books as well um so pre-order that if you like but the christmas one that is the first one out that would be amazing you'll bring a bottle moment if you would like to give something back is to buy a book basically and it's only eight quid maybe even less on amazon i don't know but i shouldn't other websites are available who, who do pay their taxes so do support the little people get online uh, the links are on our Facebook page. You can pre-order the book. Tell me that you've done it. I would love to know. Thank you. Um, and you could pause now, in fact, and do that right now and then listen to our amazing guests. Good. So back to our guests, uh, our free fringe founder, Peter Buckley Hill. Uh, he is our star guest of the week. Speaking of collection buckets, which is basically what I'm doing right now and asking you to buy my book. Uh, let's go back to Peter. Remembering my second ever um, free fringe show, put the bucket out and... Um, I found out afterwards when I checked through it that one of the chinks was not a coin going in, but car key, but house keys, oh. actual house keys, um. which I still have because, of course, I had no way of tracing whose they were. No, and, absolutely. Um, I like to think someone has given me a contacts. house, uh, uh, and, yes. um, uh, but I can't access it. So, um, well, they could have wanted you to call down. I think that uh, was it. Was the biggest gift I've ever sorts had. Of dirty Edinburgh things. You never know. You never know. Uh, I, no, I think actually I returned it to the bar. I think, and so here's hoping I, they. Uh, it would have been nice to say this is yours from now on. But, uh, but anyway. <laughs> Any parting messages of wisdom that um, before we always, always carry a pair of pants with you? Oh yeah, at all times. We were talking about this and a toothbrush and a toothbrush. Pair Toothbrush. Pants, yeah. Just don't know where you're going to end up. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so so ca- carry as in not just wear, but no, actually ca- carry in your person. Yes. New person. I just think it's just always good, isn't it? If you find yourself out and about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're at a dinner party, yeah. you missed the last tube, helpful advice from Nick's. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I worked on a. Sorry. Yeah, there was a TV show last year, and I was in the production office a lot where they kept on having to do overseas trips and things, and they would always get off the phone going, mm. better go and buy another pair of pants then, which oh. generally meant that they would have to go on a plane that day, pretty much, well, and not have time to go home. So, you know, this is it. You've got to have a movie. Thing, you yeah. never know. I mean, most of us don't work in such high-flying jobs. Indeed not. Uh-huh. But, um, <laughs> Although, if I was to be on a panto tour, and they were to say, you need to buy some clean underwear. Yes. Um, I'd probably stop the job. I would say do work that you find creatively nice. stimulating and you enjoy Ooh. with people you like. Nice. Because otherwise you are going to be bored and unhappy. And one day you may get to do that. Well, indeed, yes. quite right. Yes. One day. That's very good. Oh, gosh, that's rubbish. I say something about pants and you say that. Well, you've got to redeem yourself somehow. Is there a sitcom that is the best of all time? Um, my favourite sitcom of all time is Yes, Prime Minister. Um, my favourite American sitcom of all time is Seinfeld. Mm. I admire Friends and Frasier, but if I had to choose, I would pick Seinfeld. Mm. Um, and I also find it very hard to turn off old episodes of Porridge. Right. Um, and I have, yeah, those are probably some of my, my favourites. Yeah, yeah. 
Respect, good. A respectable list. Good choices. I, and also, I mean, I could find really obscure stuff yeah. to make me sound clever. That's fine. But that's, I think, well, even things like porridge nowadays is, well, of course, it's got a, maybe a porridge renaissance. Who knows? Well, it's going to be, recomm- it's been recommissioned. There's going to be a new. There's new porridge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. New porridge. I, uh, I was asked that question uh, a few years ago, and I was there thinking, oh, I always think either Blackadder or Faulty Towers. I don't know which one. Ooh, I'm going to say Blackadder on this occasion. And a voice behind me said, good choice. And I turned around, it was Richard Curtis, who happened to be at the same venue. So, uh, yeah, look around before you answer these questions. Oh, right, I will do, I will do. Yeah. Tony Lawler, of all people. Hello. And I was gonna... In his jammies. In his jammies. <laughs> I don't was... sleep in these, though. You know when I, I just come out to do your show and, <laughs> and then they'll be off. When I said what you're reading, <laughs> I thought you were going to go into the silk... Uh, oh, the silk road. The, all the, I know you're a big reader of the big Well, when the email stuff. came through, that's what I was reading about. And then now it's Diary of a Whippy Kid. Yeah, I just wanted to say, Silk Road, I like it. Yeah, so next time, Tony Law on the Silk Road. That was the Silk Road was the book he was talking about there that he's been reading. Not the Silk Robe, which uh, he could have been sporting with his pyjama wear. So, yeah, next episode will be after a little bit of a summer break. So it'll be more like in mid-September, maybe even late September. I don't know. But we'll have a good four to six weeks off probably for our summer break. Uh, So, you know, you may be off to Edinburgh on holiday. You may be coming to my Camden Fringe show. Who can say? Uh, But in about a month and a bit's time. Tony Law will feature on this podcast. Becca Barron, the storyteller, uh, will feature um, also on our live show. She was also on our live show was our podcast favourite, QI's Stephen Colgan, who was fantastic. So we are saving all those up uh, for our next episode, uh, episode 14. They are awesome. Uh, Do stay tuned for them. Uh, So we should be wrapping up for this week. Final farewells then from PBH, Peter Buckley Hill, on what is next for him. I'm recording all the um, songs that I have not yet recorded. Okay. Um, uh, and, um, and that particular show was intended to be my Abbey Road. Right. Oh, really? But it will probably wow. end up being my Let It Be. Okay. And, uh, well, um, either way, I'd take either. I'd take yeah. either. That would be all right, wouldn't it? Oh, uh, and uh, the, uh, the, the second um, is the one-man show I did in Edinburgh okay. uh, last year. Uh, right. Not many people came to... Uh, which I hope was large because I wasn't on the street leafleting for it. Um, and um, I thought this was because I was old and tired, but it turns out that I was very ill and didn't know it. So right. that's why I wasn't publicising it or indeed performing it I particularly see. well. Yes. Yes. But I still have a certain amount of faith in the show, and it's an hour show delivered entirely in haikus. Right. Yes. An hour of haikus. An hour of haikus. Wow. Now, by the time your listeners... Yes. You have listeners... By the time your listeners hear this, um, this will probably have happened, and it will be on its way to being on the web for free okay. download. Right. Uh, exactly so was, how, yes. I don't know. Okay. Because, you know, I don't understand yeah. these things. Um, but... Uh, presumably YouTube will come into it and my other albums are on the web I don't know okay. how they got there someone else did it for right. me I just have to find that one person and ask him make it happen to, uh, you know, to make it happen again yeah, both yeah. shows will so be both online. shows will be online both shows yeah, uh, so um, in, in I hope audio and video excellent so in lieu of a time machine we can't make the gig but we can download accordingly so, well, thanks for speaking, Jacinda. Thank you for you know the free fringe is it's an amazing model, and it's uh, you know great that um, transforming the festival before our very eyes. But either way, you, the pod will open shortly, and you'll be released into back into society oh. and um, take a breath of fresh air. 
It's just a being born, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I like to think so. I like to think there's a very similarity between this podcast and being born. Well, the pod door is released. The club is closed. Our summer break awaits. Uh, So I do wish you a great summer. Go and see some live shows if you possibly can, to festivals, whatever you may be at. I've told you all about mine. Uh, So Camden, Kettering and Cornwall. I'm in Bath a bit as well. I'm in Chester and I'm doing a London writey thing and all sorts of things. So that would be fantastic. Pre-order my book, if you would. That would be amazing. It's online. Tell me you've done it, by all means. Um, if everyone who listens uh, pre-orders the book, and indeed all my Facebook friends were to as well, it would be a bestseller automatically. Just think of that. Uh, so anyway, thank you to you for listening, to all of our guests for this week, for Rob Halligan for providing the music. Uh, my gigs are on paulcarenza.com. I'm on Twitter. Hey, you. Find the Hepticon Club podcast page on Facebook. Give that a like. You could donate or Patreon on hepticonclub.co.uk. I went tune into Songs of Praise on August the 20th. You might see a familiar voice face. Till episode 14 lands in September, I bid you a very merry summer.